Welcome to the seventh podcast in our First Peter Sermon series, Through the Fire. I'm Dan Rambeck, one of the elders at City on a Hill Church, located in Rosemount, Minnesota. Our service is live streamed from the Steeple Center every Sunday at 10 a.m. on both YouTube and Facebook. We will be continuing our series with a special Baptism Sunday, including testimonies. So, like I said, this morning is uh, definitely an out of the ordinary morning because we are going to do some baptisms uh, outside. Assuming that the tub is still holding air, uh, then we should be we should be just fine. Uh, if you're new, we've been going through the book of First Peter in the New Testament, and it's kind of interesting how baptism kind of fits nicely into where we're at. So, just a real quick review. The last few Sundays has been all about a vertical relationship with God, uh, especially those who are uh, called by God to follow Him, those who are uh, consider themselves or call themselves Christians or followers of God or disciples. We'll use the word disciple this morning, uh, but they all equate. Uh, We've been looking at what defines a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Uh, how is this person new and set apart? Uh, and Peter reminds us of all those things that are absolutely necessary to understand in our relationship with God. So that's kind of the vertical. What we're about to do starting next week is talking about the horizontal. Many of the letter books of the New Testament kind of follow this pattern. Whether Peter wrote them or Paul wrote them or John, it's a very similar thing because they want to establish who we are as believers or disciples, followers of Jesus, and then how does that change our relationships with other people? Uh, Who we are then, you know, defines us and sets us free and enables us to then love and respect and honor and so forth. So starting next week, we focus in on what Peter focuses in, are the relationships around us. So here's what's kind of cool. Baptism is kind of at the intersection of those two things. Uh, Baptism includes both our our vertical relationship with God, but it also informs and affects and uh, in a a way kind of directs the relationships we have with other people. And here's why I say that. There's a very uh, well-known passage of the Bible, maybe it sounds familiar to you, at the end of the book of Matthew. So Matthew is a gospel writer. He writes about the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the, at the very end of his account, Jesus has already died on the cross. He's gone into the tomb. He's risen again. And this is at the very end of his, what we call his earthly ministry, okay? So he's walking around the disciples. He's about to be taken up to be with his father. And uh, we read this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to even to the end of the age. So that's the context. The context is it, it's the last time Jesus is addressing, speaking to his closest circle of disciples or followers. So it's very important, not just for them, but for us to understand the significance of this. Uh, a lot of people have called it the great, the great commission, because in a sense, Jesus is commissioning disciples everywhere, you know, not, not, not um, limited by time, his immediate 11 followers, but all followers, we're all commissioned, if we follow Jesus Christ, to follow in these footsteps. So that's kind of why it's called the Great Commission. And the main action, the main verb is to go. You see that in verse 19, go therefore. The the actual language means as you are going, okay? So it's a lifestyle kind of thing. It's not limited to uh, just a service or just one particular time of your life, or it's not limited to if I feel like I'm good enough to do it, or if I feel like in my own energy or strength, I've accomplished something, so therefore I'm good enough. Really what he's saying is, as a lifestyle, as you're going through your life, be about this commission. Be doing these things. Because at the end of the day, and all through the day, it's not about you. Jesus is saying he has all authority in heaven on earth. It's been given to him by the Father, and at the end of the verse, behold, I am with you always. There's nothing to sweat about this new lifestyle of following me and making disciples. Jesus basically is saying, I have the authority, I have the power, I'm with you, it's on me, Jesus is saying, and I'm just asking you to continue to follow me in what matters most to me, which is going to make disciples. So, wow, the authority that he's giving to these 11 guys, it's, it's huge. The story doesn't end here. And, and that's what's so powerful about what he's saying in his great commission. It's not just you guys and, oh, when you die, it's over. No. The church that Jesus is establishing, the followers that he wants, he wants that to keep expanding, not limited by language or culture or time, anything. He wants to keep going all around the world, nonstop, even as he says to the end of the age. So at that, in that necessary piece of going, and as you're going, and continue to go, and continue to make disciples, find other people who also want to follow me and you, and, and can continue to grow in this new church thing that Jesus is establishing. That's the exciting part of what it is that he's now handing off to them. So this ongoing relationship that that they have, that they want others to have, it's all based in the authority and the power and the ongoing growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Continue to do even as Jesus has done. So in other gospel accounts, we can read the fact that Jesus himself was, was baptized. So he wants his disciples uh, to not just be baptized, but to baptize other people. So we're following in what Jesus has done. Baptism is a key part in discipleship. And that's something that I, 
I think some Christians have kind of lost track of, especially today, maybe the American church. Uh, it, it could be the case where we've, we've emphasized so hard uh, to have a saving relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it doesn't end there. The, the necessity to continue on and to continue obeying and continue becoming more and more fully devoted a, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, that includes baptism. So that's really kind of the next step. Those who say, yep, I want to be baptized, they're taking the next step in following Jesus Christ. So that's a whole lot of background. What in the world is baptism? And maybe you're wondering, maybe you're coming this morning and for the first time, and what is this guy talking about? So let me make this as clear and as direct and hopefully less confusing, okay? What is it? It is a symbolic outward expression of a living inward transformation. Now, the word baptize, what we have in English, it comes from a Greek word that actually means to go underwater. Uh, so, when we baptize, you, I think everybody saw that tub that hopefully is still standing up right. Uh, when you came in, that's got water in it. So when we baptize, we don't just sprinkle. We want to do what the New Testament talks about, what the Gospels talk about, and what we're pretty sure people did in the first century, and that is to go underwater and then come up again. So we'll talk more about that in just a second, the symbolism, the outward side, Okay. So let's start with the most important part, and you might have to track a little bit to the right there, but we'll, we'll make this work. So what the most important part is the inward transformation. What do we mean by that? Well, first of all, that involves that word repentance, turning away from a sin-controlled life. Those verses in the Gospel of Mark have, all, have everything to do with Jesus beginning his ministry on this earth. Jesus says in those verses, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. So right when he starts his ministry, the first thing that Jesus says is repent. And what do we mean by that? The, the simplest way to understand the word repentance is turning away or turning around, okay? Okay. So as he preaches, as he speaks to people, not just the disciples, but everybody he talks to, over and over again, we have in these different accounts, Jesus saying, repent. So whatever direction you're going in, away on your own and, and away from God or away from relationship with Jesus Christ, he's saying, stop, consider that I have good news for you, turn around and come back to me. That's as simple as it gets, okay? So realize that Jesus is saying, realize I'm calling to you and I want you to come back to me because I have something for you that you're not gonna find as far as you go in that direction. It doesn't matter what it is that you experience or how good it feels in the moment because all of those things that you're doing end and actually leave you emptier than you were before. And all you have to do is live life for a little while to realize that there's a whole lot of truth to that. Jesus is saying, turn around. Come back to me, and I'm going to give you something you never got over there. In fact, it's going to be so much greater. So it begins with that, that inward transformation. And then that second word is faith, 
trusting in Christ alone for salvation. And this really isn't tricky either. <laughs> uh, and sometimes uh, denominations or approaches to religion or Christianity, sometimes it gets kind of foggy, but Scripture really illumines things. It, it, it gives us the ability to open our eyes and see exactly what it is that's going on. So this short passage, Romans 10, 8 through 13, tells us about what the Bible says when it comes to faith. And it says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. And what he stresses is two different things. Confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, you can't fake that. Because what, that, what he's talking about is your relationship with God and you can't fool God. In fact, Scripture says elsewhere that God cannot be mocked. That you reap what you sow. So if you try to pull one over on God, you are mistaken. Because God knows your mind, he knows your heart, he knows what's going on which could be scary, and it's also a relief because faith isn't on you or on me in the sense that I've got to do it the right way to impress God or impress other people or to impress the church. If God has turned the light on in my head and my heart and I'm beginning to realize Jesus is it, and he has done what is necessary on the cross to forgive me and to enable me to turn around and see him. If Jesus has done that, then he is at work in my heart, creating faith, regenerating me, changing me into a new person, and starting faith. So even that part's not on me. So you don't have to wonder a question, you know, am I really a Christian? Because today I don't feel like it. I don't think I've been good enough. And those are all distortions. They're, they're doubts that come, yeah, out of emotions, and we all have emotions that sometimes take over. But we need to remember that faith that begins in us is all on Jesus, changing us, opening our eyes, and then enabling us, as the verses say, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And again, you can't get that wrong if Jesus is at work on you. Does that make sense? If Jesus is changing your heart and you're beginning to realize it's him and he's done what is necessary to save me, to give me a relationship with God uh, that sets me on a different course, a different path, if, if I'm getting that in here, then yep, Jesus, you're it. In other words, you're Lord. You're in charge of this life. Whatever it is, take it and then use it and change it. Jesus, you are it. If he is changing me, I can't screw that up. Does that make sense? We don't have to make that, even though we try to make it harder than it is. If Jesus is at work, then you can't screw it up. Now, you say it however you say it, because uh, we all say it different ways, different backgrounds and different cultures even, right? Different languages. But if it's something like what he says, that Jesus is Lord, then he's changed you. He's saved you. You haven't. So important to remember that. When he's at work and he's bringing you to faith and bringing you to a new relationship with him, 
that it's all on him. And we don't have to worry about the, 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 the fine minutia, the details. Can I screw this up? No, because it's on Jesus. And then what is he doing? A recreation. A new life has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, if those things are happening, then guess what? You are a new creation. And Paul goes on to say, and he stresses it with, with you know, this dramatic language, the old has gone and behold, the new has come. And I love that verse. Because no matter how bad I've screwed up, no matter what I've done, or no matter what has been done to me, none of that can stop me now. Because in Christ, from the inside out, I am a brand new person. As Paul says, a new creation. No matter what it was in the past, it no longer defines me. Jesus does. Isn't that awesome? Anyone, no matter what has happened, New creation in Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. The people that are being baptized this morning understand those three things. They've done those three things. And they're going to talk just briefly about what that looks like in their life, which is also going to be an exciting thing. But we've got to finish this here. The outward expression part. So uh, we've talked about what happens on the inside. We identify with Jesus and now, what about the outward part? Baptism publicly identifies a disciple with Jesus before others. Baptism has been around for a long time, centuries upon centuries, okay? And uh, the way I grew up in church, I, I went to a church when I was young It had what we called a baptismal, okay? Anybody know what that is? It's this large tub in the stage somewhere that gets used every once in a while, <laughs> that when we baptize, we do it in the church building, and people come up and do it on the platform or whatever, uh, which is fine. And that's where I was baptized in a baptismal. Uh, but for a long time, the church, the church universal, didn't have buildings, and they didn't have a fancy baptismal up on the stage. So what they did was to do it in public because they had no other option. So at a lake or at a river or wherever... Uh, they would just be baptized. And sometimes people would be baptized, especially in the book of Acts, we read about this, that uh, as soon as they uh, repented and that transformation happens and there's faith, there's no reason to wait any longer because Jesus has changed them. They're a new creation and they were baptized almost immediately after that out in public that seals their commitment at this point. Because, uh, and especially in uh, that first century, uh, in, with, uh, you know, surrounded by a pagan culture, a culture that had no clue what Christianity was, uh, and uh, these people were weird, they do weird things, they talk about weird things, and then all of a sudden, if you're a new believer, and if you're baptized out in front of people, then you're marked. They see you, they hear what you say, maybe people you interact, maybe other people that you do business with in town, Okay. Uh, you don't know who's going to walk by at that moment you're getting dunked. So there, you have marked yourself at that point as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what I was saying earlier. Uh, it, it's kind of the next step, of, not kind of, it is the next step of discipleship, of following Jesus. You're saying to not just the church, not just 
those who are your closest friends or your, your friends within the church community, you're saying to everybody that you follow Jesus and you're not ashamed that you'd like the world to know what now has happened in your life, this new creation stuff. So that's why, well, we can't put a tub up here either. That's another reason. But that's the main reason why we put the tub out there, that even though there's, there's road noise and, and traffic, whatever, that anybody who walks by or runs by, you know, walks their dog or whatever happens to stop by, they see and hear what's going on. And maybe they don't get it either, just like in the first century, because it seems weird or, you know, why would you do that? Uh, but that's okay, because not only does it mark us, but it also helps to get the word out. So it, even as Jesus spoke to the disciples, you know, about going and doing these things, that we continue in that, and we want to, others to hear about it, whether it makes sense right away or not. Because who knows? Maybe God is using your testimonies, the four of you this morning, maybe he's using you as you speak to touch somebody else's life. That maybe God is going to use you in a way that you're not in control. <laughs> that just how you present it all of a sudden sinks into somebody else. And maybe somebody else says, I don't get why you want to get wet or I don't understand everything you say, but there's something about what's going on here that's different, and I want to know more. And that's what God does many times to get our attention and to begin to draw us towards him with that whole repent idea, and then the cycle continues. That maybe I need to stop in the direction I'm going, and maybe I need to turn around and pay more attention and discover more. That passage that we read at the very beginning of the service is this passage. So the reason why we read it, I brought it up on the screen again, is that there are many uh, scholars that think that these verses were used in ancient baptisms, okay? So what we're doing this morning is connecting ourselves to an ancient faith to bring about hopefully even more uh, value and significance to what's going on. Uh, that maybe uh, in the first century, the beginning of the church, as somebody was being baptized, this was read or part of it was read to help, you know, kind of solidify for the person being baptized and for others that are listening what's going on. So one more time. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do the other people out there that don't know Christ. In other words, the futility of their mind. They're, they're going whatever direction they want to. They don't, they're, they're not following Jesus right now like you are. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. All these things are going on in the world around us right now, right? Okay, they are. That's, you know, that's something that has not changed. That's out there. But that is not the way you learn Christ. You, person being baptized, you're saying your life, you want to be different. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him. Yep, you've heard about him. You've been taught about him. As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. That person that you once were, whatever defined you, you put it off. The language is actually clothing. So it's kind of a, meta, a word picture, a metaphor. 
You, just like you change clothes and put on other clothes for you know, something else, you're going to something fancy and you want to put on something else that's appropriate, right? That's kind of the idea. So he's saying put off all those old clothes, all that old stuff that used to define you, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, put on the new clothes. You have a new identity in Jesus Christ. He's renewing the way that you think, the way that you want to act. All that's becoming new because of Jesus working in you, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. Catch that. True righteousness and holiness. In other words, in this new self, this new creation, you are right with God because of Jesus. Righteousness. That's what that word means. You are right with God. Your relationship is not tainted by anything else. You are made right because of the gift of Jesus Christ and what he gives you. You are right with God and holy. Or another word is set apart. Now, most people don't go around saying, I'm holy. I know I'm holy. You know, can you imagine hearing that, right? But holiness really means set apart for God. You're a vessel. You're a you're a, a pot in the New Testament. You know, it talks about clay pots or uh, however you want it, whatever the metaphor is. You are a person that's set apart by God for God and what he wants to do in this world around us. So you're right with God. Nothing can take that away because of Jesus and what he's done because it's not based on you. And you're set apart for whatever God wants to do. You are good enough. You don't have to look at your, you never should look at yourself as a follower of Jesus, to say, I don't measure up, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good-looking enough, I, I don't have enough gifts or abilities. Garbage! It's all garbage. Jesus sets you apart for something that he can do through you that you are uniquely put together for. Discover it. Experience it. Enjoy it in this world. That's what God has for you. So, in just a few moments, we're going to be outside, and then I'm going to read part of those verses again, and that everyone who's baptized is going to have the chance to say publicly, yep, that's me. I am choosing this day and each day forward that I'm going to put aside whatever used to define me, and I'm going to embrace what is now defining me in my relationship with Jesus. That everybody's going to have to say, yep, have a chance to say, yep, that, that is me. So just keep this in mind. For the, those who are being baptized today and anybody in the future who may want to be baptized, two different things I want you to keep in mind. Number one, they didn't create the transformation. Now, I think I'm already saying that, but I just want to make sure that is crystal clear for all of us this morning. Baptism is not some kind of religious self-improvement effort. If I do just do this one more religious thing, then that's going to make me a better person. Like sometimes we look at uh, things that we do in a religious or spiritual way. So that's not it. Just getting soaking wet and saying a few things, uh, that, that's not it. Jesus is it. And the spotlight and what we're going to hear from those that are speaking is on Jesus. So they didn't create. It's not up to them. It's not on them. It's all on Jesus, the real change that we're speaking of 
count, the real transformation begins on the inside and then works its way out. That's the first one. They didn't create the transformation. The second one is this. They haven't, quote unquote, arrived as Christians. That somehow they're better than others and they've quit sinning altogether and they don't fail, they don't trip up anymore or they don't have doubts anymore. That passage you looked at, uh, the first one from Matthew 28, did you catch? I mean, my whole life, I never caught what is in that passage uh, for a long time. That Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he's leading them along, and what does it say? And some doubted. What? They saw Jesus die. He bled out and died on a cross. They put him in a sealed guarded tomb, and now they're walking around with him. If there was anything that you would think would transform a life is seeing somebody who died, and now you're walking around with him. Am I right? He ate food. He talked with them. He sat around a fire with them. They're walking. Are you kidding me? And, and, the, and Matthew, who is one of the disciples, said, as we're walking along, talking to this guy that used to be dead, and now he's alive, and there's still some that are doubting. What? You know what that ought to remind us of? Even walking with Jesus doesn't necessarily change you or answer every problem or, or seal up every doubt or confusion or, or issue that you have. You just keep following trusting that faith in Christ because of what Christ has put in you, that that's enough. That even the disciples doubted. We still doubt. I'll bet you that the four people being baptized this morning aren't perfect and sometimes still have questions and doubts. So because they're being baptized doesn't elevate them beyond any of that. You hear me, right? So don't criticize them. Don't judge them if they goof up. Don't, don't do that. Again, this new life is all on Jesus, and he takes us right where we're at, the mess that we are, and continues to transform us and change us. Even the doubts that we may have today no longer define us. Jesus does, and he is sufficient for every challenge, for every question, for every time the past haunts us, every time we wonder what is going to happen in the future. Jesus is sufficient for all of that. Life in him keeps bringing our eyes up to remember that he's worthy, that he's sufficient, that he's good enough. And the four people we have this morning are testifying to that. They're examples of that. Jesus is enough. It's not on them. They haven't arrived, but they are, are moving forward as Jesus enables them, as he extends love and grace and proves again and again over and over that he alone is sufficient for this life and anything that happens. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to transition from this space to outside and get ready for the actual baptism part of our service. So if you're streaming this morning from wherever you're at, we're going to hit the pause button here for a couple minutes or so to allow everybody to get outside and kind of situated so we situated so we can begin with the next part of our service. So don't go away, okay? 
Uh, we'll have something going on on the screen. Uh, stick with us, and then we'll be ba back live in just a few moments. Our first baptism will be Zach Schmidt. My name is Zach, and I grew up in a Christian home, but I've had my struggles along the way, just like every other Christian. My family has encouraged me uh, in my walk of faith for as long as I can remember. We've read the Bible, prayed together, gone to the church, Awana, and youth group, and talked about God a lot. I have known of the Lord my entire life, but I don't think I really understood what it meant to follow him until I started going to Awana and getting a glimpse of how many people loved and wanted to serve God in any and every way possible. Going to Rosebud also, also gave me a chance to see how families that don't know God need the hope only God gives. I want to continue to grow in my faith so that I have figure so I can f have a closer relationship with God and figure out how I can serve him for my whole life so that others can know him too. One of my favorite verses is Romans 6:23 uh, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life and Christ Jesus our Lord. Gosh, I lost them. Do you need them? Uh Jesus. <laughs> Today I am nervous but excited about getting baptized so that I can publicly show others my commitment to follow God forever. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And what a great verse, too, right? Uh, what we earn from all of our sin or rebellion or rejection of God ultimately is death. One way or another, may be pretty happy, easy, may not be, but it's always death. But Salvation is pure and simple, a gift of God that Zach has received to the glory of God. That's awesome. So uh, inside, I mentioned I'd read that little passage. Yeah. Okay. So since, Zach, you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, do you now throw off your old sinful nature and your former corrupted way of life? And are you ready to let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and to put on your new nature created to be truly righteous and holy. Are you ready for that? Yes. All right. Dayton is going to pray for you and over you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for my friend, Zach, and my brother in Christ. Would you uh, just bless him today? I pray that uh, you continue to develop your character in him. Uh, turn him into a man of God who loves you with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and all his strength. Thank you for this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. He's ready. Amen. All right, Zach, I'm going to have you move to this side. You're kind of facing that direction. Tyler's going to help on that side. So why don't you, why don't you have a seat? I know it's kind of weird. Go ahead and sit down in. I don't Just give him a moment. <laughs> All right, so we're going to reach down in here. So just as Jesus led us to do this, we're going to do the same. So right now, Zach, Tyler, and I, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah! everybody. I've always been a Christian girl. I've always gone to church every Sunday with my family. I've always believed in God, that he was real and present. When my brother was four, he fell on a campfire. 
Many people say they witnessed an angel lift his head from the flames. After that, how could I not believe in God? My sister has had five concussions over many years and no brain damage. How could I not believe in God? With so many blessings and miracles in my life, how could I not believe in God? I've always known there was a God who loved and wanted me, but I've always struggled to have a relationship with him. Before this past year, I put my hope and happiness into earthly things, social media, relationships, and others' opinions of me. Putting my faith in this led to on and off anxiety and depression, which brought me down a sad, lonely path. I isolated myself from everyone, including God. These earthly things no longer filled me up. I was completely empty. I finally realized I needed to pursue God and needed a relationship with Him, but I just didn't understand how. In September of 2019, my friend wanted to try a new youth group with me and invited me to go with her. After contemplating it, I decided to go. I went and surprisingly really enjoyed it, so I continued to go. I was able to get connected with many new people who, along with here at, people here at City on a Hill, encouraged me to pursue my faith and build a relationship with Christ. Even more importantly, I was able to get connected with God in a way I had not before. I was able to realize a relationship with Christ takes effort from me and not just me waiting on God to do all the work. I started to pray consistently, read and analyze scripture more and more, and build a relationship with Christ. I have to be consistent and pursue God. I have to pray even when I do not want to, not just pray when I need him and hope he steps in. I need to live for him and not earthly things. One Bible verse that has reminded me of living for God and not earthly things is 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. It reads, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Today I'm getting baptized to declare my life in Jesus and to declare my faith in the Lord. Awesome. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day, um, a day of just celebration and rejoicing that four more people just are coming to declare um, their faith and their trust in you. And Lord, right now, just for Carly and watching her grow all these years, um, little by little, into the person that she is today and just coming to the point of um, seeing her today declare her faith is is truly exciting. Um we just thank you so much for her. We thank you for where you've brought her today. And we pray that you will continue to guide her, that she might shine your light, that she might, again, declare your truth and just be that witness. And, and I just pray that you would use her in um, wonderful ways to accomplish your purposes. Lord, just bless her and the rest of those being baptized today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Carly, we're so glad to hear of your desire to be obedient and to follow, to no longer live for yourself, but to live for God. That's awesome. Why don't you move over here? Tyler, can you help me over here? Go ahead and have a seat. It's probably easier if you just sit down. I know. It's weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like she disappears down in there. <laughs> Carly, we're going to follow what Jesus has said right now, okay? So Tyler and I, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hand over. Okay. It's Isaiah Schmidt, everyone. He has prepared a few things to say. Go ahead. Hello, my name is Isaiah. I have an M being raised in a godly family. That is being where my parents taught me about Christ and his words and his word and also instilled in me the need for Christ. Like any child, you say that you follow him because it is what you taught 
and is what you want to do to please your parents. But making it what you want to do is the big change. Acting, actually making your parents and your elders' faith your own faith. For me, this moment was somewhere around 10 years old, finally making it my own. Now that I have accepted Christ, I try to respect others as I have been taught and according to God's word. In addition, I am myself trying to be changed into a respectful person, brother, and friend. He has shown me and is showing me patience to help me be patient and teach me how to resist temptations of this world. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has ever taken you that is not common among man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I am being baptized today to show my commitment and love for Christ and to take the next step in my walk of faith with Christ. Can you take that step? not alone, but in the power of Christ, and he is faithful. So let me read you those verses from Ephesians. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, do you now throw off your old sinful nature and your former corrupted way of life? And are you ready to let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and to put on your new nature created to be truly righteous and holy? All right. Uh, Who's going to pray for you? Lord, I praise you for Isaiah. I praise you for the work that you are doing in Isaiah. He's young with a long future ahead of him with tons of choices he's going to make with school friends, colleges, work. I just want to praise you again for he, him already making the most important decision of his life, and that's to accept the gift of your son for salvation. I'm honored to see how much Isaiah has grown up I'm excited to see him declare his faith in public today. I pray that Isaiah relies on you through his life and that he would seek your will in everything he does. You have a purpose for Isaiah, and I'm glad we can celebrate this step today. They were stopping traffic. (laughs) I know. We'll give you a second. Okay. All right, Isaiah, we're going to do what we've already done, but we're going to do it again because Jesus has asked us to follow in his footsteps and to do as he has commanded. So we do that right now by baptizing you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Tressa, go ahead when you're when you're ready there, okay? Hi, everyone. I'm Tressa. <laughs> Just take your time. When I think about telling you all about me, my life with Christ, I get overwhelmed, obviously. <laughs> um, so just bear with me. I've had some tremendous hardships from losing my son at the age of 19 to suicide to surviving an abusive relationship. The pain at times was so overwhelming that I thought for sure it would kill me. I went as far as to ask God to take my life just because I just couldn't take it anymore. 
But thanks be to him, he didn't do my bidding. He instead saved me. He, he brought me out of my darkness and into the light. This didn't happen overnight. He brought me Pastor Bruce the evening that my son had passed. And then Bruce introduced me to City on a Hill. I met the Schmitz and so many other wonderful people. But even though I felt at home here and in Christ's love, I, I still turned away. I was battling my grief, my relationship, and who I was now without my son. I allowed myself and outside influences deter me from Christ. But the Lord is patient and persistent. He kept poking, and finally, just a little over a year ago, I received a huge push, and Krishmit, Pastor Bruce, and City on a Hill were there for me. And there it was, God's grace, all over again. And I had the choice, like, was I going to ignore him, or would I accept him? So I'm accepting him. What has happened has passed, and the Lord is within me, showing me how good life is with him. He has shown me through the City on the Hill community, all the beautiful women I've met in Bible study, the Schmidt family, the Bentleys, and, that, and that's just to name a few things. So one of my favorite songs is Amazing Grace. You guys have heard it, right? We've all sang it. I've heard it, probably sang it a thousand times. And even though the words always move me, it's today that I feel them the most tremendously because I feel that I am found and no longer blind. I'm excited to have this renewed life with Christ. One of the psalms that I picked was Revelations 21. Verse four, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Thank you. Why don't I set your phone over here? Okay. Okay. So glad, Teresa, that God has put us together. <laughs> and he's bringing about a whole new wholeness in your heart and in your life, uh, to God be praised for what he's doing. So let me read to you the same verses. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, do you now throw off your old sinful nature and your former corrupted way of life? And are you ready to let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and to put on your new nature created to be truly righteous and holy? I do. Oh, awesome. Who's going to, who's praying for you? Chris. Lord, I am so excited and humbled to be here with Teresa today, Teresa today. I am so grateful to be a part of her life and to see all that you've done in her life to bring her to this step of faith and obedience to you. You have created a strong but gentle and compassionate soul in your daughter, Lord. She has truly endured the wind and waves of difficulty, but you have used even these hardships to shape and form her into the amazing woman she is, the gentle and compassionate soul. Lord, 
I pray that you would continue to help Teresa to seek you in the midst of difficulty, as she's already learned to do with grace and that she would praise you in the midst of joys and triumphs and that your light would shine through her and draw others to your irresistible love and acceptance. You, Lord, are awesome. And seeing Teresa here today reminds us of your never-ending love for your people. Bless Teresa, Lord, as she continues to grow in her relationship with you and others. Guide her as she continues to learn more of your heart for your the people you've created and help her to see more and more clearly your awesome plan and her part in it. In Jesus' awesome name, we pray. Amen. All right. Have a seat right there. If you know her best, if you know Tressa, I know any of our four individuals this morning. We have a list of each one in each way, in each new life of redemption, what it looks like, what Jesus does in a life, no matter how old or young, uh, no matter what uh, they've been through. Uh, the redemption that can be found uh, in only in Jesus. So, this is our turn. This is your turn. <laughs> we're going to follow what Jesus said, and we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're continuing our series in 1 Peter. We also have multiple podcasts to check out, including Genesis, Crossroads, Ruth, FaithWorks, and Glory. For upcoming news and events, check out our website at mycityonahill.org.